standard issue for all women. Hi, Hannah here and welcome to this week's episode of The Sunday Chops in which I talk to radio presenter and producer and professional partner with Ian Lee, Catherine Boyle. We had a great chat. There's not a lot of point in me going into what it's about because you'll be listening to it in just a moment. I'm largely only recording this intro to say two things. First thing is that, and I mean just perennial disclaimer, Joan meowed a lot in this podcast. I mean a lot. And I've done my best to remove a lot of her, but it wasn't always possible. I mean, just egregious meowing throughout this, for which she's not even sorry. At one point, Catherine's cat actually joined in, but you do get to hear the rather joyous bunch of meowing that Joan does when we start talking about Nigel Farage. She was particularly not happy at that point. Anyway, the second thing to say is I just came here to say happy Sunday. It's currently really sunny in my lounge as I'm recording this. I wish the same is true for you when you listen to it. Until next time. I am joined by the magic of Zoom by fellow technology sufferer, Catherine Boyle, (laughs) presenter, producer, and most definitely not psychic of Ian Lee on The Late Night (laughs) Alternative, now on Twitch, weeknights at 9pm. Thank you for joining us, Catherine. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Nice to see you. What is Twitch and where can people get involved? Twitch is a website owned by Amazon. So Jeff Bezos is making even more money out of us. But it is kind of their answer to YouTube. And up to this point, it's been the domain of gamers. So if you want to watch someone, some kid being awesome on Pac-Man, they still play Pac-Man. So if you want to watch some kid being awesome on something like that, or you want to watch someone kind of more our age being slightly rubbish on whatever it might be, that's where you came to. And it's been quite male, quite geeky, which is, you know, nothing that I shy away from. But we're kind of the next wave of what they're trying to do on there. So we used to work for Talk Radio, and before that we worked at BBC Three Counties Radio, which is where we kind of met. And we did a phone-in programme, which kind of was a freestyle thing, which is probably why we didn't last very much longer on the on the BBC, because people, the bosses either get it or they don't. The boss says to us, so what's the plan for tonight? We'll, we'll look at them like, we don't know, we're going to sit there and wait until the thing happens. But it's very kind of caller-led. We go where the wind takes us. We were doing that on talk radio as well, until again, a kind of new manager style came in and they wanted something a lot more political and totally opposite to what we do, really. So Ian's contract wasn't renewed. They wanted me to stay on as a producer for some of the more, let's be honest, right-wing presenters I've um, Mm. had the pleasure to be. And thankfully, Twitch in the meantime got involved and said, we want to do something different. We want our own phone-in show and and you're the people to do it. So they got us involved and that's where we are now and we're still making our way. What's that? Can you hear that? That's my cat. Will you jog on? My cat's going as well as mine. <laughs> no, that is mine just screaming into the microphone. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. I mean, just briefly stopping back at Twitch, having listened to your show a couple of times before we did this interview, although I listened to it in a podcast yeah. format, you had a conversation with a woman in Seattle who is on Twitch transferring photographs onto metal and about six people watch it. And I was like, this is the greatest thing. I have no interest in people who have huge followings. The idea that, and especially in lockdown, 
that the sort of the resurgence of really niche interests that you can just people have got the time to either make the videos or to sit and watch the videos i find it yeah i find it really joyful it's wonderful to just set your camera going get yourself a twitch stream of your own and go and no, there's no expectation that you are going to have a format or that your show quote unquote will go anywhere which is lucky for us um, but people just go on there and, you know, they'll do a jigsaw or they'll knit and chat. I, I did say that sort of it was more gaming to start with, but there are different areas of Twitch to search within. And the just chatting thing is is just a joy. Mm. So at the end of every one of our shows, we do what's called a raid, which is where we send everyone who's watching our stream into someone else's with the strict proviso that they are nice. <laughs> yeah. And we choose it really carefully. So we don't send them to any sort of kids or anyone who looks like they might be having a struggle anyway. But we find the most amazing people and they are all, or have been so far, touch wood, really pleased for the company of other people coming along. And, you know, they've been great. They've been some really, like you say, really niche things. We saw a woman, I think that's the one you're referring to, the woman who's sitting by a lake in Seattle. Yeah, having a split. I mean, that's what she, she sold me on that for a start. I was like, that sounds amazing. He was. And who what else have we had? Oh, we had uh, four people in LA in different houses playing Dungeons and Dragons or talking about playing yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. It's a real window in the world. And um, if you're a nosy person, it's the right place to be. So going back to talk radio. Now, I read an yeah. article in The Guardian, which you did recently with Ian, yeah. in which you were talking about leaving talk radio. Now, I mean, we've interviewed Samira Ahmed. We've interviewed Carrie Gracie. Or we know a lot about what they can say about women being paid less. But what I found most staggering in that interview, and I was hoping you could maybe expand on a bit here, is that Ian was relaying basically what happened in a meeting in which justifications of why you were worth less were being put forward to Ian. And you were actually in the room. I was there. It was less a meeting, more a, let me just grab you as you walk out the door for the boss. Um, it was an em- empty office as it tended to be at the hours we were working. So it wasn't like, you know, it was in front of everyone, but it was still pretty open. Yeah. And it was a conversation about, I mean, a specific scenario. We were going to come in and do a show on New Year's Eve, which always kind of involves a special rate because you're giving up your New Year's Eve. Not that there's much to give up. I hate them. Yeah. But, you know, it, it is a sort of sacrifice. So we have a conversation about it and you negotiate it. So in the past, I've always been paid a little bit more than my rate, which I'm going to be honest, was different from the other producers because I did more stuff. My duties were different, right? So I sat in on the show every night. I was the second voice. And although it was Ian's show, it was very much kind of our vision. And I was always there. And I produced him on air, which has its own challenges and involves a lot of eye contact and, and raised eyebrows. And- yeah, I bet. <laughs> so it was a different skill and I think for that reason they never and have never known because this sort of happened before as well where I fit you know bosses like to be able to say oh she's a producer and therefore this is what she's and or she he's a presenter and that's what they get but with the exception maybe of Ash who works with James Whale producers don't tend to have that much of an on-air presence mm. they certainly don't have a following um, and they're certainly not kind of treated as equal by the listenership right so for example when Ian was away I was the one that covered on my own you know without a quote-unquote sidekick because yeah. I'm capable of doing it because I've been doing it for years and before I worked with Ian I was a presenter of my own show so it's not like someone's gone let's give this young up-and-comer a go yeah I know how to do it <laughs> and so in this instance you know we'd done it for a few years and Ian said this new year I'd really like it if we split the money 50 50 because we are not what we were when we set out. She's not just the 
She's not just, quote unquote, just the producer. Um, and also, you know, all this stuff had been happening with Samira and it had been brought to his attention. And he's noticed a lot of the stuff because we're mates as well as colleagues. He's noticed a lot of the stuff that I put up with or have put up with and um, that he's never had to face as a bloke, you know. So his kind of eyes have been open to it. So he just put it forward as an idea. The boss, who had been really sympathetic when it comes to mental health, you know, I'm not going to paint him as a bad guy. He's really not a bad guy. But it obviously just didn't compute. And, you know, he said, he said the words, why, do we, why would we do that? She's just a co-presenter. Now, <laughs> and I was sitting right there. And it was, in a way, useful to hear it out loud. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? I, I get that. The suspicion you have all along is they don't see me equally. I'm obviously, I'm not quite, they, they feel like they're doing me a favour in some respect. And he said it out loud. And it was, you know, in the midst of a quite heated conversation. But, but there it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to know. Having done several jobs in journalism, I've been a reporter, I've been a sub-editor, I've done some radio stuff interacting with the general public is the hardest job of all of them and I actually think it's a real skill the closest I've come to this I used to do a local radio show on which somebody said cunt live on air wow and the repercussions of that uh no it was on a like a local uh Cambridge radio like the community radio thing but nonetheless no no dumb button no way around it and he was immediately mortified that he'd said it and it had just slipped out he just got off a plane literally and, and then ended up walking into this interview with us. And he was like, I don't even know what time it is. I'm just... Anyway, it was a, it was quite a to-do. But but I know from box-popping, standing on streets, that people could be making perfectly cogent points about parking prices and then just segue into some just monologue about immigration. <laughs> and you're like, where did this come from? And so yeah. I find... What do you get out of it? What is it for you that you get out of that? Because I... I it would be too much for me. I find people fascinating. I, I, I always have that. I was a journalist by training and, and reporting was one of the great joys. You know, when you go to someone's house and you think you're, do- for example, going to a golden wedding couple's house, really sweet couple. I absolutely adored each other. You know, your archetypal, you know, chocolate box, granny and granddad. Oh. What's the secret to your long marriage? All that kind of stuff that you do as a sort of cub reporter. Yeah. And as I left, I saw a massive dildo on the sideboard. <laughs> and I went, ah, I didn't mention that particular secret, but well done. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> the best answer I ever heard for that wasn't given to me. It was given to a friend of mine. Because people always say, never go to bed on an argument, all of that. It's so yep. straight. And they said, sex and caravanning holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Well, sex and caravans. <laughs> it's a skin in itself. But yeah, that's great. That's great. But I used to just love that, that the fact that everyone, there is a, there is a little bit of magic in everyone's story. Yeah. And although it might not be always jolly, everyone's got a story. Mm. And I think I've always been a talkative person. I've always been an inquisitive person. You know, I'm a nosy cow, basically. Yeah. And I generally think the best of people. And I'm interested. I think that's, it comes down to that. I am interested. The relationship that you can form on the radio especially late night radio with your listeners it is so special i don't understand why anyone would want to do a phone any other any other time of the day yeah okay well let's let's get to that because um without wanting to go into the details obviously because you know the, the samaritans advise that you don't 
Um, yeah. There was an incident where somebody called you um, yeah. in the process of committing suicide. Yeah. Now, I would say that that, I would feel possibly that that doesn't happen that often. But that said, that very episode that I listened to of yours this week, two different people called you about their drinking. Yeah. So I wondered, from your position, you're obviously not a mental health professional, but I wondered if you can see a change that's happened during lockdown to the mental health of the nation. During lockdown? (sighs) I think it was already pretty bad, to be honest. I don't know whether it's all the Brexit stuff, but I think it was already pretty bad. There was a kind of heightened sense of conflict and tension and pressure. And I think that that had been building for a while. Lockdown, I think, has certainly exacerbated a lot of people's problems. A lot of people have had to sit by themselves a lot more than is comfortable. You Mm. know, they haven't got the distraction of being able to go out and do something else or, you know, for a while, see other people. I mean, God, how people managed. And... And it's it sent me a little bit, and I'm the stable one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, I realised this week that I'm kind of holding on by my fingertips a lot of the time, and I've lost myself in um, trying to make it as unweird as possible for my kids. But you can't make the world perfect, yeah. and it's that you know, I've had to surrender a little bit to the fact that I've just got to do my best and keep breathing. You know, so I think for a lot of people it has exacerbated things, but. It was already pretty bad, and I think we kind of forget because each crisis is sort of yeah. different. Can I ask in that case then? I mean, all three of those people that those I mean, three encounters that I am talking about were men. Yeah, I am going to go ahead and guess that knowing what I know about the way that women communicate and the way that men communicate, that perhaps that's actually quite common that it is more men that reach out to. Yeah, not not necessarily you, but through that format perhaps rather than yeah. reach out to someone close to them is we've that... had women we've had women and they're always kind of apologetic about it whereas the men are at the end of their tether and don't know who to phone you know what i mean yeah the women always kind of, i've got no right to feel like this but i remember very specifically we had a woman call us and she was in what sounded a lot like and we, could, we only get one side of the story but what sounded a lot like a really abusive controlling relationship with her husband and they were you know they were in their 50s or 60s and she said, I, I live in this lovely house. We've got a swimming pool and, you know, my children are wonderful and they've flown the nest. They've done really well. And I feel like I've got no right to be on this unhappy. And it was yeah. really sad. And she was really apologetic. And, and we just sort of, you're right, we're not um, trained counsellors or anything like that. But I think the fact that Ian has been so open about his sort of mental health difficulties and the fact that he's yeah. in recovery from addiction and stuff. Here's the weird thing. You make people laugh or you 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 tell them a little bit about yourself and um it it percolates and then the moment when their friends aren't picking up or it's too late or they don't want to worry anyone or they don't want to get anyone involved because then they might have to do something that's when that's when that leads to a phone call um and we always kind of refer on you know we'll say we're not qualified to do this you know the samaritans are the ones to talk to but we'll listen you know we'll listen and we try not to do any harm but it, it, it's uh, it's a really special time of the of the night for people because, of course, there's nowhere to run from your problems, is there? You know, no. When you're thinking about stuff at midnight, it always seems so much bigger than it does 8 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and go, what, I spent the whole night thinking about that? <laughs> yeah, because I lived on my own through lockdown. And one of the, the things that struck me was I could fixate on a certain thing and then the minute I spoke to somebody, you know, maybe my brother or a friend of mine, and say they go... 
oh yeah no I don't think that or I think that's rubbish or whatever and I go yeah that is rubbish but yeah. you know it, be, with there being locked down the period between me actually maybe because I did speak to people a lot but not having that person instantly on hand who was just there yeah. who would just happen to be around my house this evening that I go are you worried about this and they'd say no I think that's been uh, that's been debunked and I go oh all right then it's that <laughs> it was that that yeah. that thing so absolutely I completely agree with that what do they call that? Rumination. Yeah, just too much time. Them. Just too much time to think about stuff. And I think as well, mm. lockdown has caused people... I mean, you are absolutely 100% correct. The health of the... The mental health of the nation was not good to start with. But I think it has caused a kind of, in some people, something existential as well. Something that is, what is the point of me? Like, what am I leaving? What, yeah, what world are we leaving for other people? It's... And, and who am I? You know, a lot of people are out of work at the moment, whether permanently, yeah. all of a sudden, or, 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 you know, on furlough or whatever. A lot of us attach a lot of our um, sense. I certainly do. I was out of work for two weeks in between this mm. job and the last one. And I didn't know at the time that I'd be out of work for that length of time. But I attach a lot of my self-worth to what I achieve at work. Absolutely. At 100%. My, and, and that is totally how I was raised. I mean, I came from a working yeah. class family. My dad was an atheist, but he did have a religion. And the religion was work. That was yeah. absolutely it. That was you get up, you go to work, you, you know, it's, what, it's good for the soul. It's good for the spirit. It's good for the pocket. He was exactly. like... When he found himself out of work, it was absolutely catastrophic. Yeah. yeah. What am I? What am I good for? I, I remember feeling a little bit when I was on maternity leave with my, with my kids, particularly with the first one because I wasn't expecting it, but all of a sudden being treated as woman with baby, you know, and I think, do you know what? I'm actually quite a bright woman yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have quite a, re- a lot of responsibility and why are people talking to me like this? And but it, it's not really about something I've learned over the years is, can't control other people's behavior only your reaction to it right Mm. so the fact that I let that in is more about me and my perception of how people see me and and that's a game you can never win yeah so um you know that's something I've been working on but you know again it's um I think it's really common at the moment that people don't know who they are they can't make any plans and when is it going to be over and what's it going to be like when it's over god knows I mean and especially when you realize that the people in charge aren't really in charge you know clue no nobody knows it's we are i do feel like we are kind of free falling i have a total inability to plan for the future in any kind of sense of long term when i try and think about what's happening beyond about next week it literally is blurry in my mind it is so far away so my question is you finish work at 12 o'clock yeah how does that stuff not then ruminate around because i'm not on my own i talked to ian about it we have a sandwich we listen to some alan bezik who's on bbc manchester who is dealing with similar sorts of stuff, although in a particularly Mancunian stroke Lancastrian manner. <laughs> and because that's my roots are there, it just it kind of centres me a little bit. And then I drive home and I'll listen to a podcast about something completely different. But, you know, I'm working with my friend, which always helps. Yeah. And, you know, we both witness what goes on, both on and off. And, and then that's another thing, that the Twitch audience is, is, is very different from even the radio audience. Radio... Has it? I was going to ask that. Yeah. There's a real, here's something we've noticed in the first sort of month and a bit that we've been doing this, is that there's a lot more entitlement. Why aren't you responding to me? Why aren't you, because there's a chat box down the side, you see, of the screen all the times. Oh, I, I tell you, it's hilarious to listen to as a podcast, 
because yes. there's there's like 10 minutes of faff at the start that's like oh wait that who said that what's that what's that sound about <laughs> it's really funny to listen to as a podcast yeah yeah so you know in the chat you'll get you'll get some people who really need acknowledging and and the reactions when you don't can be really extreme and yeah. really um i find it fascinating and the tendency is for them to call ian something unspeakable and I'm, of course, a bitch and I'm ruining the whole thing and I'm too shrill and, you know, the usual stuff. And I yeah. go, gosh, it doesn't take an awful lot, does it, for, for those old tropes to come out. But it's it's really interesting. So people will have a fallout with Ian and as they slam the door, I'll get I'll, I'll get a, a slating. Yeah. And that's something we've really noticed, in fact, to the point where I'm thinking about writing something about it, because, but I don't really understand it enough to do so yet. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was going to ask you... Because you are now not just a radio presenter. This is a vision yeah. thing. I was going to say that you are even more accessible, that perhaps people would empathise with you more because they can see you. You're not just a voice. I mean, for mm. some people, you might just be a voice because people might be listening to it while doing something else. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, that actually might help people be a bit nicer. But obviously, that's a theory that is rubbish. <laughs> I think we're still not human beings to some people. They still think they're punching up. I think that's the way I rationalise it, is that they think they're punching up. What they don't realise is it's just two idiots trying to work this out. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's... But, thankfully, we're we're more interested than offended. Yeah. What's that been like for you? Have you actually had to suddenly pay attention to what you wear to work, or have you just carried on being the same I always did. I always did. Possibly because when I had my kids, certainly with my first baby, I wore a lot of borrowed stuff and kind of lost myself for a little bit, you know. And so when I went back to work, I really enjoyed just being Catherine, you know, just being me for a bit. And it was lovely to go out clean and smart, even though I was on the radio where most people wear cardigans and, you know, trainers. I was dressed for work because I I enjoy clothes anyway. I've had a lot of goes in the dressing up box with (laughs) Some, some successes and a lot of <laughs> I do like clothes and stuff and I feel like it lifts my mood I, I just like to feel professional and, and and when the kids were really little I liked to be clean and not covered with anyone else's yeah. you know snot or anything if the snot was there it was it was my own <laughs> <laughs> so I always did dress and I enjoy it but I already see how a 25 year old me might have might have been in a, a bit more risk than I am you know, because yeah. that is still an insult that they will throw that I am fat, uh, that I'm old, you know, that I look like dot, 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 you know. And I don't care. You know, I'm 43. I don't give a stuff anymore. Mm. And I know I look all right and that'll do for me. But back in the day when I was 25 and eager to impress, it might have hurt, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, social media is foul. And I think it has become even more foul in the last six months largely Mm. because people are worried and scared and angry and also they have loads of time on their hands and yeah yeah, I think it's it's... an anonymous way of kicking out one last question I just wondered how you felt about the media one of the first conversations I ever had with you on on Twitter was back when the um do you remember there was an American television presenter who was shot live on air and the god yes and the sun used the photograph of it on the front page and I yeah. think you and me and Ian Lee were the only people that were vaguely horrified about it. And yeah. we kind of grouped up on Twitter and went, what the fuck? 
what are you doing the sun this is outrageous yeah and things have got no better now bear in mind what you said about about talk radio and it becoming increasingly right wing do you think yeah i mean what is going on you are more expert in radio perhaps than in print media but what is going on in the media I can only speak for what I've witnessed and what I've witnessed is with radio, this kind of shift towards clickbaitiness. I can only say, you know, that kind of immediately shocking thing. I know people that talk radio who I'm pretty sure are saying things that they do not believe at this point mm. because they know that that's the reaction. That's the one that will get reaction from the listenership that it is they are cultivating. And some of it is dark. I mean, we started um, streaming our show, or we, we toyed with streaming our show on talk radio for a while. And this was with their supervision. And we were getting actual far-right stuff, like proper Nazi stuff on there. And I think these people feel empowered by some of the stuff that I, I guess some intelligent presenters are um, putting out there thinking that everyone knows the game. Yeah. But no, they don't. No, they don't know the game. And... The fact that someone in a suit and tie is saying it gives it credence. Mm. And I grew increasingly, increasingly uncomfortable with that. And we obviously stuck out like sore thumbs. We're like a couple of hippies. And we're not even that political, but we were like a couple of lefty hippies trying to have a safe space, you know, while the rest of the output kind of um, took the piss out of terms like that. Yeah. You know, but we see that it makes a difference. You know, the sort of nastiness... And the sort of increasing tendency to try and make people outdo each other for being shits uh, online kills people. It kills people. And, you know, there have been high profile examples of that. And everyone kind of wrings their hands, including some of the people who've been doing it. And then six months later, you know, six, not six months, six weeks later, everyone's back to what they were doing before. I just... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... You know, shitty business. Yeah, like you say, I mean, look, for example, like... like Caroline Flack when everyone was like oh never again okay time feels like a lot of more time has passed than perhaps has actually passed because of what's happened yeah. in the last few months but that was just earlier this year and already yeah. yeah there are new new ways to be angry with different people and yeah yeah absolutely and I, I think there are a lot I, I, there are women who are doing it um online what I'm saying about the, the sort of nastiness online and on air to be honest yeah. But it's largely a male thing, and I think it's possibly, and maybe I'm being too understanding about it, you know, maybe they're just shits, but I think it's possibly an attempt to regain some sort of control and feel powerful when actually at the moment the world is spinning out of control and no one's really got a handle on what's going to happen or where we're going to be in six months' time. So, you know, to be angry and loud and shouty and scary... You know, it's like my cat when she sees a, you know another cat yeah. at the end of the garden. She blows herself up as big as she can be, but she's crapping herself in case that cat comes any closer. <laughs> yeah, it, I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of posturing, and I, I wonder if it would end. I, I was hopeful that you know when Katie Hopkins got the boot and Farage got the boot that that, that maybe there'd been some sort of road to Damascus moment. But then you know I started to worry that Farage would end up working at Talk, which kind of helped yeah. my decision to to do one because I think it's probably a matter of time. The damage is done from the point of view of their views mm. are out there. They said those things. They've whipped up those crowds or whatever. But it's also done in proving that it works. Yeah. So now it creates an idea. How do you get? How do you get into journalism? Uh, any? I mean, anymore? It's so there's no, there's no there's no jobs. There's nothing. So 
it's become a you have to say more and more outrageous things because otherwise yeah. you know who's exactly. gonna who's gonna pay you to write it it's yeah but also not journalism who's gonna pay you attention unless yeah. you're you know an edgelord the, the really sad thing i found um working more online is the number of kids and i'm going to say maybe 16 to 23 year olds younger actually 14 to 23 year old we get phoning us up just to drop the n, n word yeah and it's uh, and you go right okay i know i know that they're showing off to their mates and i know it's become a thing but it's becoming and they know it's shocking that's why they're doing it but still, the fact that it occurs to them, you know, I kind of always hope that our generation, each generation gets a bit better. Yeah, because, well, I mean, our generation, and, and I'm 46, so we are the same age. We probably were watching at the same time in different parts of the country when somebody rang up Saturday Superstore yes. and said, why are, you- <laughs> why are you so shit to five star? And it's still now like this incredibly shocking thing that it happened. Yeah. But of course, yeah. it's not shocking, is it? Because you've got to go one up. You've got to then ring and say something really outrageous. It's And, and that, that's where we are now. It's the Wild West. Yeah. You know, that's kind of why on our Twitch stream, we try to keep our language pretty safe. Because if we don't, the ante gets upped and upped and upped. And before you know it, everyone is, you know, calling each other all kinds. Yeah. And, you know, no, no holds barred. And, and then you don't hear the stories. Because people are going, oh, right, okay, I see what this is. I'm, I'm out, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Catherine. It's been really interesting. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Standard issue for all women.